Welcome back to Geeking Out Over Star Wars, where we do just that. We geek out over Star Wars, and we both love doing this every single week, almost, almost every week. What's up, Shamari? What's up, man? I'm gl- I'm just, you know, glad to be on the show, as always. Um, you know, we, we're going to be doing having a lot more shows uh, coming up, particularly in this time period. We have a lot of exciting things um, to look forward to, a lot of exciting things to talk about. Um, so yeah, yeah, this should be a good show. You know, we've been doing this for nearly a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, it sounds surprising, but time just seems to be flying by. Yeah, I still feel like we're in a little bit of a time vortex. Like, we're not still in COVID, but I still feel like last year was, like, still part of that whole time is is weird thing, and we were in a little warp. Yeah, Um, Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Year and a half, dude, of talking Star Wars. Uh, which is like it was just crazy for me to think about it has nothing to do we're not celebrating anything there's nothing official but like i was just thinking about this earlier and i was going wow almost a year and a half since that first high republic book dropped and we've been doing episodes ever since almost every month ever since and this year we doubled down and and we're already on more episodes than we did last season so uh last year i should say so it's exciting um, if you're listening, you've seen the title already, and this episode is very much dedicated to our breakdown, review, discussion on Brotherhood, the um, newest book, newest Star Wars book written by Mike Chen. Uh, well, I mean, spoiler alert, we both loved it, but we'll get into why. Before that, though, Shamari, why is Kathleen Kennedy in the news? Oh, boy. Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy is, um, unfortunately, this is going to be one of those things where, because uh, I feel like we did, I feel like we had recently heaped a, a good amount of praise on her for yeah. just how Star Wars has been going. I think we've been both defenders. Yeah, yeah we have. Yeah, pretty much. Um, especially lately. Um, look, I didn't love the sequel trilogy. There, there, for a good amount of time, I was pretty upset with Kathleen Kennedy. But lately, she's been hitting on all cylinders. She's been hitting on all cylinders. Everyone that's been complaining, I don't know why people are complaining. But this, uh, so she made some comments to Vanity Fair, and I know you have the, I know you have the specific comments up, uh, but basically stating that um, that recreating. So she, she was specifically referencing Solo, uh, which is a whole other discussion that I'm sure we'll get into as well. But she specifically references Solo and how. Uh, I suppose Solo didn't work for them, maybe specifically monetarily in terms of, of, of money. Um, but And how the mistake with Solo was recasting Harrison Ford. And that, and that they're not going to do that again. They said they learned from that mistake and they're not going to do that again. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, just just from from the the just from a cursory glance, I didn't scour the internet, but just from a cursory glance at what the reaction seems to be from this, uh, it seems to be a lot of people that feel similarly to how we do, in that this is not, uh, first of all, that that's not what was wrong with Solo, but also that that's a terrible approach uh, to to kind of this whole issue. But but I I, I want to hear your your thoughts on this as well. well so I want to go, I want to actually read the whole quote yes, because I just, I feel like that's important um, because yes, the gist is that she said that essentially uh, replacing actors or, or, or recasting isn't recasting. a good thing. Yes. Recasting isn't a good thing. 
Um, but let me get the whole quote. So in the Vanity Fair piece, which is a great piece overall in some respects, I do think that the author's bias really shows through in some of these questions. Um, but like, there's a lot of information you can glean in terms of the behind the scenes um, from Kathleen Kennedy. But they're, they're talking about Ewan McGregor coming back for Obi-Wan and how she realized that, you know, you can't really have Luke Skywalker without Mark Hamill. So the this is the question and response. So the, the interviewer asks, I don't want to put you in an awkward spot, but was this an understanding you've come to that was developed from Solo? I don't want to trash Alden Ehrenreich. I think he did a good job. But the idea that you can't really replace Luke Skywalker, was that something you learned from that movie, or how would you put it? Kathleen Kennedy answers with this. Maybe. As you say it, Anthony, maybe. I think back, and Solo was one of the first ideas that came up when the company was sold. One of the first people I went to was screenwriter Larry Kasdan. Larry and I have known each other forever. He was so excited to tell the story, we genuinely believed at the time it was a good idea. So yeah, there should be moments along the way when you learn things. That may have certainly been a learning moment. Some people have talked about how, well, maybe Solo should have been a TV show. But even doing Solo as a TV show without Harrison Ford as Han Solo, it's the same thinking. And this is the quote that many people are taking out. Maybe I should have recognized this before. We would never make Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. Having just finished the fifth movie, I can tell you there wasn't a day I wasn't on a set where I was like, where I wasn't like, yes, this is Indiana Jones. So maybe I'm closer to the DNA of Indy and always have been than I was when I came into Star Wars because now it seems so abundantly clear that we can't do that in reference to recasting. You get excited by these things and you want to revisit these things, these things you want. You want to have that feeling again and you're trying to resurrect that. I think that's what we do even with our new characters. With Star Wars, everybody talks about a feeling they have about Star Wars. That's that intangible idea you're looking for. So essentially, she's boiling down this idea behind to really, truly get that feel for Star Wars, that classic feel, you have to, you can't recast these actors for these characters. You can't do that. Like, it wouldn't be Solo, it wouldn't be Han Solo without Harrison Ford. And I think the both of us just plainly flat out disagree. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I 100% disagree. Um, I think there are a lot of um examples because i had an extended discussion about this with my brother kendall and we'll have another discussion about this on 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 sunday as well so i'm going to plug that at the end at the end of the show um but you know he mentioned a couple of things i mentioned a couple of things um uh first of all that that gives me some questions about lando i thought we were going to get like a lando show or something like that was that mm -hmm. supposed to be so I don't know what's going on with that because Lando is is recast. He was recast. So uh, is Donald Glover going to be in that show? Did, was there some kind of is he not going to be in the show? So, so is that not happening? So there's questions with that. So I don't know what they're doing with that. I don't know if they decided now to see GM. I don't know. Um, but so I'm wondering what's going on with that. Uh, and quite frankly, she even talked about they were talking about Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor is a recast Obi-Wan. Exactly. He is Obi-Wan Kenobi recast as a yeah. younger version. And I'm glad they did. If even if they had the technology to de-age Alec Guinness or to deep fake Alec Guinness or whatever, I'm glad they did not do that. We would not have this Obi-Wan if they had done that. It's just even just just what we see and have experienced as Star Wars fans goes against that. So it's it's just She's I, it, honestly, I think it's just she's very wrong 
about recasting. I don't want to just keep seeing the same person. Um, even in, and I'm, and this is me throwing out as much rope as I can, even in situations like Star Wars where the actors really are the characters to mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that. You know, so I understand that, you know, if you can use them for as long as you can, you should. I get that. But this idea that we can never recast is wrong. It's not true. That is not always the best approach. That was not the issue in, with Solo, particularly, which I'm, I'm very much looking forward to digging into that a little bit deeper. But she's totally wrong about this. Uh, I, I have so many thoughts on this. Um, first of all, that yes, I, I, don't, I just don't agree. And I think maybe it's, it's a way of trying to explain the dimish, diminishing returns yeah. on Solo, right? Like, with each Star Wars film, Force Awakens breaks box office billions, billions, right? Yeah. Rogue One, like, not as high, but still ridiculously high. And then we start seeing less and less. Less Jedi still made insane money, but it was less. Rise of Skywalker, insane money, less. Now, Solo was in between Rise of Skywalker and um, and between The Last Jedi. And then it was also accompanied with, like, production issues. That what? Yeah. The movie was, like, reports of the movie being, like, 70% finished when Phil Lord and Chris Miller were replaced. Yeah. Which seems to be a director issue that Kathleen Kennedy has had, by the way. Yes. M- multiple times. Same thing happened with Colin, um, Colin Trevorrow, yeah. director of the Jurassic, two of the Jurassic World movies. So that, on top of the fact... That Solo was sandwiched in between two massive Marvel films in Avengers Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm, yeah. Right? Like, like we can't forget, like, right. the amount of money those two movies brought in is insane. We're, we had, we, for three years straight, we'd gotten used to Star Wars being a December release. We yeah. hadn't got, we, we didn't get a trailer for Solo until nearly two months, I think less than two months out. Or maybe like two months out. It was during the Super Bowl or whatever. And that was for a Star Wars film that had gone through so many reported production troubles. That was worrying. So already, like, things were looking bad. And then we get the movie. And here's what I think. Solo is a fantastic, fun Star Wars film. I I very much like... Is it my favorite Star Wars film? It is not my favorite Star Wars film. Is it a bad film? No, not at all. It is actually a fun, small, low-stakes Star Wars film. And Alden Ehrenreich felt every bit like Han Solo. He wasn't playing Harrison Ford. He was playing Han Solo, the character, and I think he did the character brilliant justice. I thought he did a very, I thought he did a very good job. To the point where even when I was reading those, those um, Han Solo comics where it looked like Alden Ehrenreich, um, I bought it. I was like, I like this. And it's just, it, it, I don't know. And it just feels like I, placing and, the and blame I, in the wrong direction. Totally putting the blame in the wrong direction. I also think it's unprofessional and I feel bad for Alden Ehrenreich. Yes. Oh, he yes. He worked hard to make this movie for Disney and Lucasfilm and make them a ton of money and get people like me and other people online, which there's a lot of people that want Solo 2 to come out. There's a whole hashtag about it to, to get Solo 2 to come out. He worked hard at that, and he did a good job, and she's throwing him under the bus saying he was the problem. We learned our lesson, 
and blah 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 basically again just just disparaging him needlessly she could have just and she's been in hollywood for a long time she could have given some canned answer she could have easily given some answer that's not really an answer and you know kind of sidestepped the question and moved on to something else if she just didn't want to really discuss it but no she went out of her way to name to to say yeah he was a problem in in this film i'm just like man she really said that my younger brother told me i was like wow really she really said that and yeah she really said that it's a problem i i just you know i especially since he went through essentially shooting this movie twice the first time he was shooting it he was told uh, that he had to change his style because Phil Phil Lord and Chris Miller were trying to make him go in a comedic style. So he reportedly was doing like some comedic training um, during that first part of the filming. Yes. Right. That first filming of the movie, the 70 percent or whatever got got done. And then we we and then we got we got what we got. And I really liked what we got from Ron Howard. I thought it, I think it's fantastic. Small Star Wars adventure. Um, this throws someone under the bus, though. And it throws someone like I, I think it takes away from someone like Donald Glover in, as Lando. who i thought was fantastic also again not trying to be billy d williams right but trying to be the character that's what i i thought about this week these two actors weren't trying to replace the previous actors they were learning their characters and then bringing them to life and i thought both of them were fantastic so yeah now i'm worried about the precedent this sent this this sets also right like we're not going to recast anyone now and what happens when the unfortunate day when these actors do pass away or whatever, we're not going to I don't want to rely on CGI as good as good as it has gotten. There's still something off about it. It's still yeah. not completely. And that's just on the technical side of things. It's still not completely even in 100 years, though. There's no reason we can't recast. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I think it, it would be a bad business decision. I think it's locking them into stuff and not it's not letting them open their horizons to different actors. Right, because so many people can bring different ways to play these characters, and and it could breathe life into this franchise, right? That needs some life, especially on the film side. There's reports that Ryan Johnson's trilogy is on hold right now. I think that was also mentioned in the Vanity Fair, something, right? It was alluded to. Yeah. Um. So we have no clue what's happening. The Patty Jenkins movies on indefinitely on hold, right? So it's something like this only just kind of it's it's more concerning. It's more concerning. It doesn't give us faith on, especially on the film side of things. Yeah, it really doesn't. It's not encouraging. Um, I mean, I've, you know, I, I, I'm okay with moving away from the Skywalker saga in general. If that yeah. was something they were interested in. I mean, I, of course, we have the High Republic now. We have the Old Republic. We have, um, you know, just other characters that they, if they wanted to focus on. I'd be fine with that if they just kind of want just to move away from it just in that way i'd be okay um but you know i don't agree with just you just just that as a principle that these characters and these actors were so iconic that we just should never um you know get have anyone else ever play them i think that's wrong i think that's bad and stuff like that that makes people say okay when when are we going to get rid of her you know or we, we'll make some people. Some of them just don't. And we, but we, but I've heard right. it everywhere. Everywhere you turn, it's <laughs> fire right. Kathleen Kennedy. It's not this. And right. I, I, I think that I think that's what. We're, and, and even over this, I wouldn't say fire her. Right? Like no. I, it's going to give. It's going to provide more fuel to those naysayers for sure. 
But I would not because I think that her job has always I would, been I would as just an, that someone else steps in and says, hey, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or yeah, something and, along those lines. Yeah. Listen, she's done her job as an executive producer, right? She's made right. a boatload of money. And on the TV side of things, we're very excited for everything happening. So that that's working. I yeah. I just think that this isn't the right decision. And I hope it's just the way it came off. I hope that she rethinks that she looks at these comments and goes, that's not, I don't know. It might be, I, I don't know. I'm really not sure what's going to happen. I'm hoping that we have a little bit of a course reversal and that they'd be okay. Um, recasting. I really think they should. Also, make Solo 2 happen. Yes, please. I, I something I want to say. But, you know, with these comments, it's definitely never happening. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Man. We had to start off, you know, we're so, we're both really excited to talk about Brotherhood, but we definitely had to start off with something that's a little bit of a bummer. Oh, yeah, yeah. But to turn things around, this is the month of Obi-Wan. This is the month of Obi-Wan. And in that vein, we have we have Obi-Wan Kenobi coming out next week, which I I haven't been so excited for for Star Wars since. um, Honestly, I haven't been so excited for something like this since like The Last Jedi. Wow. I want to say that that. I haven't been that excited about, about a Star Wars. Like, I mean, I was excited for Book of Boba Fett. I was even more excited for The Mandalorian. I thought it was cool, but it was still new elements, right? They were they were new things, and we were learning, and we knew the talent behind them, so that was exciting. But to revisit Kenobi, right, by one of our favorite actors in all of Star Wars. So, yeah, yeah I it's just the most excited I've been in years. But before we get that, we got a new novel by Mike Chen um brotherhood star wars brotherhood that takes place almost immediately following attack of the clones or more specifically actually queen's hope um it actually really like immediately follows queen's hope there's even mention of of the events of queen's hope too um but so we're we're going to as the title says this is supposed to be the main topic of the show and so we're going to break down brotherhood but before we get into any of that uh general thoughts what did you think uh, I thought this was very good. I, I think that this, I think, uh, and honestly, I think this reminded me of Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, but I think this was a little bit better. I think this was a little bit better than that one. Um, and I, I may be biased because I like Anakin. <laughs> so, so so I think that kind of definitely gives this book a boost uh, over Master and Apprentice. Um, but I just love the Master Padawan relationship and the d- dynamics of that relationship. But I, but this was, um, and Anakin isn't even a Padawan in this in this book. But but this is just this is, uh, this was very good. This is a very good adventure. Very good, um, uh, very good char- kind of character story, and also kind of like a period story, and like the Easter eggs and just the things that. It, it, I would say to anyone that is a fan of the prequels in general, but honestly, particularly a fan of Attack of the Clones, um, I would say pick up this book, check it out, and the Clone Wars. I would say pick up this book, check it out. You will enjoy it. <laughs> um, if you enjoy, um, if you, you want to see kind of what you can see as an immediate follow to that. Um, this book does a great job. It juggles so, juggles so many characters. Um, 
and we'll get into it, but it's very good. I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. I probably couldn't say that. Um, um, just because we're getting so much it's, it's, Lucasfilm publishing, is, it's all so good. But but this is a very good book. It's a very good book. I I would say out. It's one of my favorites released. That's not High Republic so far. Like at at least in the last few years, maybe not ever. Uh, like all of canon novels, but I would say it's at, at least one of my favorites of the last like two three years. Um, that's not High Republic. Like outside of High Republic, because right now I still like have that as like its own thing in my head a little bit. Um, yeah. But this is uh, this is fantastic. This was absolutely fantastic. And like you, I think I get those those Master and Apprentice vibes by Claudia Gray, which I loved. But I think something about this time will tell, obviously. But I think something about this actually might end up sticking with me more. Um, and I think that also comes down to just the history that we have with these characters. That we yeah. know exactly what happened in Attack of the Clones. We know where they came from. And then we have the years of Clone Wars after. And then we get to see Revenge of the, you know, Revenge of the Sith and all that stuff. Uh, but this is fantastic. It filled a lot of holes that I didn't know needed filling. Right, like you, you go when you go if you or if you're watching Attack of the Clones and you go, let's say you go chronologically, you go watch Clone Wars right after, right? The Clone Wars movie, not even just series. Like you go into the Clone Wars movie and then you go into the series, it almost feels like you you don't feel like you're missing anything. You're like, okay, so pure Master Padawan, okay, knighted, and now they're good, right? Like, no, like that that moment of knighting and the little pieces in between is actually really important for both characters' journeys. Yeah. In a way that I just I didn't see coming, and it hit. I I told you before the show I had no real expectations for this book. I knew it was Obi Wan and Anakin. I love them both. Uh, I like the prequel era. We're both like self proclaimed prequelists, uh, yep. which isn't as rare nowadays. Um, but I I didn't realize how much I was going to enjoy this, and and I really did like it. Um, so I guess we're just going to go through it. I I took a lot of notes in terms of what happens. I feel like more of the notes I take are in terms of actual story beats and the notes you take are more, I don't know, more in-depth pondering type, type notes. Yes. Um, so we'll just kind of go off each other here and then you can, you know, you can stop me and I'll stop you and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so the big thing is that there has been, the book kicks off with this giant bombing on Cato Nemoidia. Um, home to the Trade Federation, but not exactly like part. It's considered a splinter cell. Had you know, uh, headed by New Gunray. They're actually like they're not together. They they don't. Um, they're trying to be separate from each other. But unfortunately, the galaxy and the Republic sees Cato Nomodia and Trade Federation as the same thing. So that plays into the book a lot. Um, but there's a massive attack on the heavy pop heavily populated city of Katasora. Um, and we see a lot of devastation through two uh, two soldiers that are going to be that pop up a lot through the book, and that's Rug Quarnom and Kitar, um, and and they'll come into play later on. Uh, so the Separatists blame the Republic, you know, because that's what the Separatists do, and Count Dooku's trying to put it on him. Um, and the uh, Chancellor uh, and, and says that the Chancellor should visit to prove that it's not the Republic. Um, but Obi-Wan doesn't feel okay sending the Chancellor, and so he works to find a way to convince the Separatists that a Jedi to investigate would be a better, a better and safer choice. Um, he sets out to learn and strategize as much as he can, and, and this is where we start to see, like, really, like, digging into those pieces of, of gaps that I told you that I didn't think needed filling. So he visits Dex, who makes a couple of appearances, um, which I love. Like, I, 
I loved you know, it. Holy, I loved it. Right. And and I'm one of the people that loved Dex, loved Dex as a character, and loved his, his diner. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe some people found it annoying or whatever. I loved it. I loved it when I saw it. I loved it in this book. Um, I the nostalgia hit me hit me like a freight train when mm-hmm. Dex showed up. <laughs> Every single time he showed up in this book, I was like, oh my gosh. I'm just I'm back in 2002, whenever Attack of the Clones came out, and it's like, oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, it's that was that was uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was like the first nostalgia hit that we got, right? Yeah, like Dex, Attack of the Clones. This is tying yeah. everything in together. Like this takes place right after. You know, Dex is. I've always loved Dex's diner uh, scene, always. Something about yeah. it just, I, I know some people are thrown off by that. Uh, they, they equate it to that, the speeder bike gang in Book of Boba Fett, right? We're, we're talking about, um, you know, people are going, wow, those designs are so out of place. And maybe on a place like Tatooine, they are. But in terms of George Lucas and Star Wars, they're not out of place. On the, right. you know, on the ground level of Coruscant is a 50s style diner. Yep. With, with, with droids that are, you know, essentially styled like after waitresses from that time. Yeah, uh, it just it's it's I've always loved that. I've always loved Dex as a character. I've always loved that scene and that that, you know, that glimpse of history that these two share right? that we see. And so then they really dive into it here. They go back and forth and, and we hear a lot about um about both, you know, their history. But but also Dex knows a lot about Obi-Wan's history. Um, yep. So here's yep. also the first time we get a mention of Duchess Satine. Um, yeah. which they touched on a few things more. They didn't go into a lot of specifics about their history and what exactly happened, though we know that there was romance involved. And Obi-Wan kind of calls himself as just, you know, a young, naive youth who, you know, didn't know much and was still figuring things out. But it's nice to touch on both, you know, more Satine stuff, because I love hearing that, but also that Mandalore trying to remain neutral, which, you know, we see play into the Clone Wars series. Um, you know, in that in that second season, right when they first show up in that second season. So yeah. I, that I loved also. Anything, anything Mandalore, of course, and then of course seeing Duchess Satine that history with Obi Wan, I also loved. So that like that's we start getting a lot of that in that first section of the book. And, and it and it helps so much to color his because and that's why I love the storytelling here. It help it it helps so much to to explain his reaction. To Anakin and Padme and seeing them and clearly knowing what's going on. Well, yeah, that's the next thing that that's essentially right around the same area mm-hmm. is after he was briefed on Caden Nomoya, he sees the he gets like his first po- post marriage anime and at anime. Wow. Anakin and Padme reaction and interaction, I should say. And he he right. he knows something's up like yeah, immediately. Yeah. And it's not, of course, until the end. Um, I'm not going to break it down like how he you know, his thought process for the whole book. But it's not until the end, of course, that he like he truly knows that it's more than just, you know, yeah. feelings that it's it's so much more than that. But yeah, we we he plays on his own. He talks about his own his own history with Satine. But then, you know, we get to see that he really is able to intimate Anakin's relationship with Padme. He's sensing the emotions that are just coming off Anakin in waves, catching them together, giving these, you know, small little touches here and there. Right, like on the ear when the, when they first meet together at the the temple in this book, um. So that's Obi Wan, right? That's what's happening with Obi Wan. On the flip side of things, Anakin's been recently knighted, 
And so he was yep. given an aid mission to Langston. Um, and he, you know, he didn't know this, but he's also going to have some Jedi initiates along as well, uh, which I actually really liked. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But that's something that Palpatine has ordered to make sure um, younglings are ready. Uh, around this time, we also get, and this is something that Queen's Hope didn't have, that I'm really happy was in this book. And you'll tell me how you feel about it. Before the mission, we get a very big glimpse into his relationship with Padme. Like, he rents out a speeder bike course to spend time with her. I loved it. Right? My God, I loved it. I'm just like, oh, yes, this this is the context. Because it takes, it gets you out and say, okay, what what did they do as a couple? Were they actually a couple? You know, but here you see, yes, they were. They were a couple. They did things. They hung out. They enjoyed each other's company doing various different things. And it had to, and it, and it helped answer those questions of Anakin's a Jedi and she's a senator. How did they do anything together? Like, and it answered those questions. It, and I never asked those questions even. But I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, it, I mean, I kind of do want to know what they how, how did they exist as a couple? How did this even occur? But oh, my goodness. Oh, so it's so touching. It's so tragic. It's so like, oh, uh, it's just that was that was great. And also, I did want to touch on as well. Anakin's knighting as an Anakin fan. I loved seeing that or hearing it, whatever. Yep. Reading yep. It. So cool. So cool. And just seeing just just seeing that transition, because you feel like you don't really see that transition. You just watch Attack of the Clones and then it's Clone Wars and he's yeah. a knight. And it's like, all right. I mean, I, I mean, it's cool seeing him as a knight, I guess. But but here you see him kind of shift his shift his thinking um, from being a Padawan to a Jedi Knight. And it's all oh, so cool. There's so a lot cool. of maturity that comes with this knighting that that yeah. we see from Anakin that we don't see, you know, like we see where that shift is from Attack of Clones to Clone Wars. That in the Clone Wars, he does feel like a more he doesn't feel as whiny. He doesn't feel as young or right. naive or immature. He feels he feels more mature. He does. And um, that knighting ceremony and then being able to to see that switch in that thinking and that perspective on both sides also with Obi-Wan and coming to grips with what it means to be his equal, right? And not his master. Um, yes. that's th that plays throughout the entire book. How they've, you know, how they've influenced yeah. each other um, and all of that. Um, I also really like the Padme stuff because one of my, my, I didn't have a lot of criticism really. I wouldn't call it that. But one of the things about Queen's Hope that I wish was that it solidified the relationship for me. It made it more, I wanted it to make yeah. it more real. And I feel like I didn't get that. I feel like they kind of just touched on it but not really like how they functioned and were they really husband and wife? And it's like, no, they were, and they were planning, you know, we didn't see in the clone wars. We just saw glances and, and talks here and, and slide conversations. We didn't get to see like dinner dates and right. nights out and things like that, that really made their, their marriage feel real. And so this book did it and I wasn't expecting it and I wasn't asking for it. I mean, after Queen's right. Hope, yes. But in terms of the grander scope of Star Wars, I wasn't asking for it. I was like, ah, okay. Yeah, you know, husband, wife, stole some kisses now and then. And then, you know, stuff happens. Um, but there's also definitely, like, you know, they planned this very well. And Lucasfilm Publishing planned this very well. Because there is mention of Heapcore Minor, which was the incident that Padme has to attend to in Queen's Hope. So just right. nice little continuity there. 
Um, so before his before his aid mission to Langston, though, he also has to give a talk to younglings about his journey to knighthood. Something he struggles with at first, but he's able to talk to he's able to talk about all the people in his life that have made that have made him who he is, right? And and what I liked about this was it points to his reliance on attachments. Um, it, it's this part of the book stuck out it. to me. I love that as well. Yeah, because we know that it's what makes Anakin Anakin, but it also was, was very polarizing for him from the rest of the Jedi Order. Yes. Um, so we also got a, a quick hint um, that, not a quick hint, but before, before he starts talking to the younglings, he can sense where the Force cuts off for a moment in the Jedi Temple. Now, we later on learn that it's from a specific character that that is occurring. But when I, I got to say, when I was first reading it, I was like, hmm, is, like that, is that that little thing that maybe, you know, Palpatine yeah. was doing, right? Like, like cutting it off, the Jedi couldn't feel it, and, but they, you know, because it was so minor and such a blip that they didn't really think of it. I, that's what I thought it was at first. And I thought that would have been a very interesting way, and I still think it could be interpreted that way if you wanted it to. Um but I did really like that Jedi youngling talking in the Force cutoff moment. I thought that was great for for Anakin as a character. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was good as well. Um, I very much, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. I didn't think about that. I I thought it would be the I like I was wondering, I was curious for a second. Then I was like, oh, it's probably that youngling that was like really sensitive. I guess to the Force. Yeah, Mill Alabeth. Um, yeah, yeah, Mill Alabeth. Um, Which it's another character who gets a, her own point of view and, and everything. Yeah, that yeah, that was, yeah, that was good. Um, um, now, one thing that this is something I just thought that I just thought was um, was interesting. Um, uh, so, well, actually, I want to I want to kind of jump jump around a little bit because I took I, sorry I took a bunch of notes. I just wanted to touch on some stuff. How dare um, you? How dare you? <laughs> so the. So first with the younglings, there were a pair of Twilight twins in the group. I just jotted that down because I'm just like, I thought they kind of wanted to nix with the familial anything. And I know that I thought that was interesting as well with the High Republic because we have Tarek and Sarah as well. That's a good point. I didn't, that didn't even stick out to me. And I'm just like, like, that's, that's, that is an attachment no matter what the Jedi do. <laughs> so that's that's kind of interesting. So I, I would just I would just wonder how they navigate that. Um, there's uh, Obi Wan was also wondering about he and he questions this throughout the book, but he starts asking questions and and he asks himself what happened on Tatooine. He keeps asking himself that with the with of course you know with with the Tuscan Raiders and everything with his mother dying and everything. But he keeps asking himself he's like what happened. On Tatooine, like, and that's something that I'm just like, yeah, you know, Obi Wan would probably wonder, you know, what happened, like, what, what, when you went with, <laughs> you know, it's like I know you went there with Padme and everything, but what uh, like occurred there, and that that would be like a triggering kind of event for Anakin, where where Obi Wan would notice a change in him after that. Um, so I thought that was really really cool, um, that they that they made a point. To add that, and I also liked Obi Wan's um, negotiating skills, which were on display several times, honestly, in the book. Yeah, whenever you hear, like in your head, you hear nego- like negotiating, you go, 
Grievous's voice going, the negotiator. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's why he has this. This is why he has this reputation. Yeah, this is why. It's like, yeah, this guy, he knows how to negotiate. And that was on full display. Again, just Mike Chen is just, he's so good. He was, he did a really good job with this book. But Obi-Wan, you know, to negotiate with the um, Nymoidians and say, okay, I'll go uh, to Nymoidia. Um, you know, as an ambassador, uh, alone, uh, with no communication. And I'm just like, okay, so he's really trying to kind of create this situation. And, um, so yeah, I just thought, I just thought those were really, really cool touches as well. No, I'm glad you brought them up because especially with like the twins thing, I never, that didn't even cross my mind, but that is, that's, that's, that's a very good point. Um, and there are other instances, especially by the end of this, I love how the book talks about, um, the Jedi and the deviation from what their mission should be. And so, uh, again, this book characterizes the order. It characterizes these, you know, these characters, uh, so to speak, in ways that I just didn't think it would. And I, I was very happy. I think it's such a deep exploration for so many of these characters that I didn't see coming. Um, but I, I really, really appreciate Um uh So going back to the whole Kate and Amodia thing, Obi-Wan figures out what he has to do. He makes his case to the Namoidians and the Separatists, convincing them to let Obi-Wan go alone, unarmed ship, by himself, no transmissions to the to the council, of course. But, you know, Anakin has, like, a small little transmitter that he hid to try to, you know, which will come into play later. Um, Dooku also will be sending his own agent to oversee things, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, real quick thing. And I don't know, now, I don't know if the original Star Wars Clone Wars animated from the 2003, the, the small short series, was yeah. has been considered canon. But, uh, for sure, in this book, yeah. they mentioned Ki-Adi Mundi's fight against Grievous, which is in the clone, in that original Clone Wars series, is when yeah. Ki-Adi Mundi and Grievous fight. And didn't they reference Mace Windu? Yes, well? and on, on I- Dantooine. Against um, the Dan- horde of um of the, battle the, droids. The, the super battle droids. Yeah, and which happens like, again. I'm just like I felt like Leonardo DiCaprio in that meme when he's just pointing at the TV. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, I I was like, wait a second. Is this? I think I'm I'm assuming. I think this is like first official confirmation that those events I, are canon. I I think this is official confirmation that those events really happen. Yeah. Which I, I know that people, they were uploaded to Disney Plus, I don't know, within the yeah. last year. Um, and I know that it feels like with the new Clone Wars series that that kind of was considered non-canon. And no one really stated otherwise. There wasn't really an actual, you know, proclamation on where it stood in terms of the overall Disney canon. Right. But then to these the two events, the Mace Windu and Kiari Mundi fights that are in that original series are in this book like they're referenced so yeah, yeah first official confirmation it's actually really exciting because i really love that small series oh i love it it's it's still to this day it's some of my favorite star wars it's oh it's so oh. good uh that should we we should we should do a, i honestly you know what that's an you know what okay that's a future episode we're going to rewatch the original star wars clone wars and i think we need to just do like a episode by episode breakdown like in one in one show, two hours, we just talk about each episode. They're small, they're short. I think that would be fun. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I, I concur. I think we that that that's definitely gonna get done. 
All right, I'm gonna jot, I'm gonna jot that down real quick. All right, so moving things forward. Before Anakin, so I'm jumping around a little bit, and I do want to get to Kato Memoria, and I don't want to spend too much time on beforehand, but before Anakin's own mission to Langston, a couple things happen. He visits Palpatine, and we get a deeper look into that whole dynamic, and, well, essentially how Palpatine is grooming him. Not in, like, the weird way, but, like, in an uncomfortable way, but in the grooming him for the dark side way, and stoking his, 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 you know, resentment against the Jedi Order and, and all of that. Um, he also reveals what he did to the Tuscans after his mother's death. Yeah, which again, not something I, I knew to, to ask about. Or, well, I mean, I, I guess I did kind of wonder when Palpatine brought it up in Revenge of the Sith. Um, I was like, oh, I guess Anakin told him. But I didn't know I wanted to know when he told him and how he told him. Um, but you know, just more, just throwing so many Easter eggs, connections it, that I did not expect, uh, to be in this story. Um, you know, and I wrote that moment down as well. I made sure to write that one down, but yeah, that, that was, that was, I was like, oh man, I was, I literally wrote, this is the moment <laughs> that Anakin told, um, Palpatine about his mother's death. It's, it's and, also the only other character besides Padme, the only other person besides Padme that he's told. The only other person that he's told, and you see Anakin references Palpatine a few times in the book as one of the only people he trusts. Um, you know, so yeah, you see that, that Palpatine really has his his fangs in deep uh, when it's it comes to Anakin's. Yeah, and you you know what it is as I'm reading these books, and I keep I keep hearing and reading, and Anakin's going Palpatine, such a great guy, Palpatine. So yeah, I know. And I'm sitting here going, no, uh, please, somebody tell this, tell this kid, please. (laughs) Oh, man. It just makes that all the more frustrating. You know what else is really eerie? When Anakin was was watching the younglings and seeing what he, knowing what he did to the younglings in Revenge of the Sith. I can't. It was was just eerie. I I saw I think two two or three weeks ago I don't know who I was talking to about Star Wars when I mentioned the the younglings thing real quick that Anakin Buckingham and I when I think back on it it just feels so dark it's dark like unsettling yeah. it's unsettling <laughs> that he went and murdered so many kids yeah yeah <sighs> okay we're not going down this dark path so sorry bringing it back um. I did like seeing the Palpatine stuff because I think that's important to solidifying like the kind of stranglehold that Palpatine had on Anakin. So I think that was great. Also, when he does finally set off for his mission, we're introduced. Well, not for the first time. We're actually introduced in a in a point of view chapter beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. But Anakin is officially introduced to Mill Alabeth, and yeah. she is a girl who actually can through the force see the pain of other of other beings. Mm-hmm. And it's so overwhelming that she's actually trying to cut herself off from the force. She disagrees with the war. She's conflicted over the other younglings being excited about a lightsaber being used for violence. Um, and she was actually apparently the cause of the pockets in the temple where the force was cut off. So the two actually Anakin and who is very, you know, not the typical Jedi. Also, they're able to connect him and Mill. And he reveals more about himself and how he's different. And I don't remember if it's this first meeting, but he does mention his mother to her. And so he takes her with him when they land on Langston, thinking it'll be beneficial for her, which it is. What'd you think of Mill Alabeth? And she comes into play a couple times later on, but, but what'd you think? Um, I thought she was a good character. 
Um, I mean, I it's it's definitely kind of a sad, a bit of a sad struggle that she had to deal with throughout this entire book. Um, you know, with having to cut herself off from the force and feeling other people's, um, you know, pain. Um, you know, I thought her powers were an interesting expression of the force that you can definitely see. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but her as a character, I thought she was a good character. Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I can't really say, oh, I fell in love with the character or anything like that, but, but she was a, she was a very good character. I cared about her journey. I didn't see her as a burden to the story at all. Um, you know, so I was hoping that they would be able to, Anakin and Obi-Wan would be able to help her, which thankfully by the end, you know, they're able to kind of figure out where she's supposed to be. So I liked Mill. I thought she was a good character. I, we, I, we've talked about this before, but I really do always appreciate characters that are gray, right? Uh, not, not the gray Jedi type stuff. No, no, no. But like the character that is, is questioning things. That questions yeah. the Jedi's way of doing things, not in a way that is so overboard and we flip over and go to the dark side, but questions yeah. things in, in just not following that set predetermined path. And I think Mill does that. She doesn't have a lightsaber at all through this entire journey she goes on. Um, and what I like is also, we know that Kenobi thought, and Yoda thought that, that Anakin would be ready for a youngling. Why did we think he was ready for a youngling? You know, we go from him being so naive in Attack of the Clones to getting Ahsoka at the beginning of the Clone Wars movie. Yep. And you're like, wow, wait, huh? This guy? Really? He ready for this? Right. <laughs> but no, we see with his handling and, and the connection he forms with Mill that no, he he was ready. He yep. was ready and he had he's formed this really strong connection with Mill. Um so I, I, I like I like Mill as a character by herself, but I also like her as um, a companion piece to Anakin and his story, and and how she actually change like changes him in a small way too, um, which which was nice. So uh, we're finally on to Cato Nemoidia. Obi Wan arrives, and who does he meet? Who is the who is Dooku's agent? None other than Asajj Ventress, which I guess I should have seen coming, but I really didn't. I don't know why. I and I'm like, oh yeah, duh. At all. Yeah, I you, didn't you, see it coming. You at didn't all. see it coming. I did not. Oh wow! Okay, we're in the same boat. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I I I don't know why. I guess it makes sense, right? Or where? When it did does. they first yeah. meet? It just everything in this book makes sense. But like you said, they were questions we weren't asking. Yes. Yeah. They were questions we weren't asking. Um, I might have been asking. I'm just. I'm so attached to the Star Wars Clone Wars that I'm just. I. I'm. I'm so attached to that being her first appearance. Uh, for me, but this was pretty cool. I have to say, I I I really liked it. Also, I like the way that they revealed her. I like the way they play her up too. Her her very oh, it's so good. Yeah, so the way good. that she the way she you know the way she carries herself, the way she delivers yeah. lines, the way she's so persuasive, and the way she talks. Like, oh man, it it oh it was great. Everything that was great. Everything with Kitar, and I'll talk about that in a second. Was great. Um, so. Obi-Wan meets Asajj Ventress and they kind of end up going through an investigation together and she's very much over his his shoulder um and and whatnot. Now now I'm going to start kind of moving through events fast cuz my notes actually start to to kind of decrease because things actually just start getting more action packed from here on out. Um but Rug Rug and Kitar who were the two K- Neimoidian um 
agents or, or, or soldiers uh, that we were introduced at the beginning of the book and throughout the book. Actually, Obi-Wan comes across them when he does, tries to do a nighttime search without Ventress over his shoulder. Um, and Ruge is very understanding, and she very much is going to end up helping Obi-Wan throughout the rest of the book, but Kitar has had Ventress in his ear, um, really stoking his hatred for the Republic and the way that the Republic views the Neimoidians, which is a very very valid point. The entire view of the Nemoidians is the Trade Federation and like their invasion of Naboo in Phantom Menace. So it, it, we see that being st- stoked by Ventress, who also convinced him to bomb, right? Like the Republic Consulate office and in Nemoidia and everything. Um, so, but Obi Wan, and this is where my, like I said, my notes start to become a little more vague. But he finds a data pad with info that points to the Republic. So he forwards it to Anakin to forward to Dex to find the truth. Um, but uh, when Anakin tries to reach back, Ventress and Kitar find the communicator that Anakin's transmitting from, which lands Obi-Wan in hot water, and this is where everything kind of becomes a free-for-all. And, uh, well, let's say he lands in some hot water and ends up on trial. Um, and Anakin, after hearing Ventress's voice, though he doesn't know who Ventress is, over the transmitter that she found in Obi-Wan's room, he, accompanied by Mill, Alabeth, actually go to Kano Nemoidia. Am I missing anything before the big before the two reunite and everything? Am I missing anything? Um. So I don't think you're missing anything. I I just took a couple of notes. I took one note emphasizing. Please fill in my gaps. I I just took a note emphasizing the decision that Anakin made. I love Mike Chen's writing. He's a he's really good. The emphasize the decision Anakin had to make. To he's like, am I gonna go save Obi Wan, who's like a brother to me, or am I gonna just kind of do what, follow you know the Jedi count the council and all that? And he's like, no, I'm I'm leaving. He and he and, and I love just that that kind of mental process and knowing Anakin, you know Anakin's gonna leave, and he and that's the right decision for him to leave. It was the right decision for him to leave, and you know, of course, you hear him kind of, kind of questioning the 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 uh, you know the rules of the Jedi Order and everything. So it was, I thought that was really cool. Um, and um, I mean, outside of that, I don't think you. Um, I mean, there are there are a couple, um, a couple other things. I mean, I know. I just a couple other notes I took. I mean, when Anakin was was hanging out with Padman, well, that's kind of a diversion, but but he was watching pod races, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I love that. Again, just more Easter eggs, callbacks to, and I could see Anakin doing something like that because you might ask yourself, what does Anakin do? He doesn't seem like your boring Jedi that just meditates twenty four seven like Yoda. You know, Anakin would have a connection to Tatooine where he would just be watching pod races when he could be doing something much more, much more useful, maybe at the moment. Um, so little things like just little details like that in the writing that were just so. They just they they just they add so much to the book. They just add so much to the story. Um So, yeah, I just I just took those took those down because I was like this. These are really, really cool. Um, and another thing I just want to point out, Kitar is on my list of really, really uh, easy to hate. 
Ah, I knew we were gonna get there. Yeah, he's another one. He's not as bad as the guy from uh from um uh the Fallen Star. That oh my yes. Yeah, he's not as bad as that guy. Uh that guy is probably the worst. But this guy He's up here. He's up there. He's up there. He's real oh my god. It's by the end I'm just like, can someone just can someone just just, just, someone just punch this guy in the face, please. You know, just, just, just knock him out and just tie him up and move on. You just move on, you know. But yeah, he, so he was he got on my nerves this whole book. So I just wanted to point that out. No, because I actually was thinking about this like I don't know ten minutes ago when I was we were talking about Mill as an introduction to a character. I'm like, and there's no character that you know. I really couldn't stand, and then I was like, wait a second, I'm going to save that for later, because Kitar, <laughs> by the end of the book, really got on my nerves. And I, I, I understand what they did with the character, and I like what they did with the character in terms of too. representing yeah. the resentment, right, right. that someone yeah. could have when, when that, like I like I mentioned already too many times, that Kato Nemoidia, the Nemoidians, really are, are, are looked down on, right? People are very prejudiced against them, um, and view them in yeah. one really don't look at them as a culture and a whole, but only one faction and one piece. So I, I like that Kitar was that embodiment of that rage. But at the same time, by the end of the book, when he's screaming, no, the Republic and, and oh, my. And, and, you know, honestly, who was it that did, um, who did the, uh, who, who I was, I was half listening to the audiobook and also half reading the book. I just go back and forth. Star Wars. He says, who did the narration? Uh, oh, Jonathan Davis, which Jonathan is Davis. It was a welcome, a welcome uh, return. For yeah, him. right. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a while. <laughs> I thought so. It's been a while. But the way he did his voice felt like he was purposefully greeting. Yeah. To the ears. It, was, oh. it was. I just by the end of the book, yeah, Kitar was a a no go. Um. But uh, we know Obi Wan is on trial, and yep. Anakin yep. arrives on on. Kato Nemoidia with Mill, and the first thing they have to do is to they find out there these been these bombs planted by the trial sites. Um, so first thing they do is they get rid of those bombs, and then the next part of this, I, I really don't, know, I didn't know how to summarize it. So essentially, there's one big action finale, and that is it goes for like a hundred pages or whatever, but that is Anakin leaping in to protect Obi Wan before he's sentenced, you know, before he's shot in Kitar. He was even though it was a trial, Kitar takes it on himself to like actually execute Obi-Wan and and so Anakin steps in, even though Obi-Wan actually had a plan and Obi-Wan had hidden his lightsaber. I'm going in circles here, but they escape. They're on the run. Uh they're helped out by Rogue. They then end up meeting up with Kitar again. And Kitar has um Well, he has one final bomb, and they're actually able to to Rogue actually helps them diffuse that situation uh and they also make one last run in with ventress um and anakin and obi-wan are able to save mill after ventress almost captures mill alabeth uh so did i now, one thing, please yes because i know I did, yeah. so there are a couple of things one major thing that was like oh mind blown so during the during the um um well uh, not during the trial, but I think because Obi Wan got actually got arrested a couple times. He, like I think yeah, there was, was the the first one. He yeah, was just going time. to die in that in the pal not the palace or the government office or whatever it was. And then right. he was on the run. Then he got captured. Then he's put he on trial captured. for real. Yeah, yeah. And um and 
Rue kind of helped him realize that, listen, there's someone playing both sides of this. Because you have information saying the Republic did it. I have people in information saying the Separatists did it. Clearly someone's working both sides, and I'm like... And they realize that, and Obi-Wan's trying to explain that. And he even, he even makes the connection to what Dooku said in Attack of the Clones. When he was when he was a prisoner, or when he was like you know, when he was like basically like you know held captive by Dooku, and Dooku's like like insinuating that there's more going on here, and blah blah blah. He's basically basically kind of telling Obi Wan everything, um, but but he makes that connection, and it's like oh man, this is another. It's it's also kind of sad. It's like man, this is another connection. To tell these people, wake up. There's someone, there's something wrong here. Someone is playing everyone for a fool. You know, but oh my goodness. I was like, oh, the connections. It's just, it was just, it was just so much. There were so many connections. The book gets a lot more political than I thought it would. And I really like that also. Um, I think it just really does a great job of exploring war, right? Like even by the end of it, there is no clear... There, I, there's no clear resolution, honestly. If, if you really think about it, there is, we're hoping that we can, you know, it, it's not like all of a sudden we convinced Cato Nemoidia that it was the Separatists and they should join the Republic, or vice versa. It's actually, they're still neutral by the end of this book. Right. There, there is no clear, like, changing of sides and, and setting of, it, it just, I like that aspect, because war is m- murky. Right. Yeah. Like it's not so black and white. It's gray. And that they really harp on that harp on that in this book. Um, so I really like that. I love I love the points that you that you brought up um, and that Rue, someone outside and a Namoidian that's is the one who convinces Obi-Wan. Right. That it is somebody else's playing both sides. Yeah. Um, hints to is that someone else trying to, you know, control things and uh, Palpatine and all that, like like you said, that Dooku says in, in Attack of the Clones, who straight up says, um, right. right? It's very, it's very. If you look back at Attack of the Clones, yeah, uh, um, Obi Wan was straight up told what was going yeah, he, on. Yeah, he was basically told what was happening. <laughs> it really does reveal the whole thing. If Obi Wan took that seriously, uh, right. the, this would have been cut off, would have been done, would have been over. But he didn't, and that's why we have the Skywalker saga. Um, so yeah, essentially they they they're able to save Caden Amoidia. They don't really get to the bottom of who, you know, who bombed it. And that was Obi-Wan's entire original mission to investigate. But they are open their eyes to a lot of the other elements going on this war. Dooku, um, Dooku's agent and who Ventress is now and that she's a dark side user. Um, You know, a lot of things get into place. We get a lot at the end of this book. There there are a couple of things that I want to talk about at the end of this book. So, of course, we they we get to um, Mandalore. Right, Mandalore's on the news, and their their uh, Duchess Satine forms the Coalition of Independent Systems. If if I'm remembering that correctly, um, something yep. like that. A bunch, you know, systems coming together that are neutral, and you know, who who think by not choosing a side is how they're going to end the war, de-escalation essentially. Uh, so we get that. Um, we also get that Palpatine gives this giant speech, what and and proclaims what he calls. Oh, I just had it up. It is, um, it is official integration of the Jedi Order, 
into the Grand Army of the Republic. So, and it's it's accelerated integration. So before, you know, of course, we this is that official transition. How did Jedi become actual generals and commanders? Not just, you know, acting generals or commanders. Like, no, they were given official ranks within the military. Um, and just, this is, they're so far off from their peacekeeping, mediating roots that they're supposed to be. Um, and now they are soldiers in a war. And this is, this is, this is very much not the very beginning of the end, but it's the beginning of the end. Um, and this yep. is where things start ramping up to like 11. So it, that was a great little moment to see as well. Um, what else we get at the end of the book? What are um, I- yeah, so we get, so we get several things. Um, so, um, of course, yeah, like you mentioned, you have Satine creating the coalition. Um, there's a lot of character moments like Obi-Wan can Obi-Wan kind of coming into a realization that Anakin being the way he is and having those quite frankly, emotions and attachments actually helped, um, the mission. And, and like, I just, I love those kinds of connections, um, being made by Obi-Wan. Um, but yeah, like you said, they start, they start getting their armor, which I love that connection as well. Um, to the Clone Wars, so they actually get armor that they start to use. Um, so that that helps to explain, you know, why they look the way they looked in the in the Clone Wars. Um, you know, so that to basically start the propaganda of Obi Wan's trial, they're skewing the trial to make it look like Oidians were just evil and they just he was just attacked. Um, not showing that there was evidence on both sides and that that was a whole part of that um so they so they make sure to highlight that um and mill mill gets a big big part of the end um so you find out that mill is uh ends up just becoming like a basically like um you know so she helps you know jedi on the battlefield heal um uh using the force um, cause she's able to use her ability in that way. Um, and then, oh, oh my God, love at the end. Cause, cause Anakin told Mill about the story that Shmeet used to tell him and with the sun dragon and Mill tells him at the end, you don't have to always be the sun dragon. I was just was, about to bring that up. That was beautiful. Oh, that was beautifully written. And he's just stoic, and he's just—it's a quiet, just acknowledgement that he's like, "I know what you." It's like I think in his reaction, he's just I know what you're saying, but he has no control over his emotions. He's just—he's—he's a—he's he's like, he's like, but this is all oh, so touching. It was so touching. I oh, love that moment. I love that moment. It echoes the "I know" that oh, it that Soka gives him. Um, yeah. in season five of the Clone Wars, um, right? Like, so that whole sun dragon metaphor, right? I love the way it's explained, right? That he is this, you know, this passion, so furious, this heart that's holding on to so many different attachments and he's squeezing so tightly, but that it's, he's in danger of like burning himself, withering yeah. away as he tries to, to hold on to not let go because he's so scared of letting go. That she then tells him, like you said, you don't always have to be the sun dragon. It 
oh man and the way that the moment is handled there's no there's no comeback there's no there's no there's no anything it's just a he this silent acceptance this realization that he he, there's there's a deep part of him that knows that that takes what she says and and it's it's gorgeous i think it's one of the most it's one of the most beautiful heart-wrenching i think moments in at the end of a star wars book in recent memory because it plays into this this character so so beautifully and it's so true because throughout the whole book you're just like boy if he just didn't if he just kept himself in control and just understood that he doesn't have to save everyone and just be so attached yeah and if he didn't let that fear get to him yeah, he knew that, that he was going to lose everyone he was attached to. Yeah. Oh, my God. so tragic. So that, that was that was a really, really well written end, and I love the characterization of Obi Wan and Anakin's relationship. That they were like brothers. He literally writes they're like fire and ice, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that's so cool, and yeah. it's so true. If you watch the, it, it, Attack of the Clones. Revenge of the Sith, the Clone Wars, you see it and you know exactly what he's talking about. And it's so cool. I mean, it adds so much context to their given pull that we see. Like that relationship, their dynamic, that they're always going to be two different sides. Like they're going to have two different approaches. But that, you know, that 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 it works. Yeah. That they go back and forth. Like when we see Rug, the last chapter, the epilogue is Rug, um, and there's a whole Right. Plot device there, but it's not the biggest and most important thing. But she sees the two of them coming toward her as they're fending off battle droids. And it's this perfect, beautiful motion of of two different styles that are, like I said, different, but that they're in sync. And it's it's wonderful. And one of the biggest things that we didn't touch on also was like everything is being informed by Qui-Gon Jinn and his role in both of their lives. So much. Oh, yes. Oh yeah. man, talk about like you know you know how okay, so you ever saw the the Dave Filoni breakdown of what the Phantom Menace truly meant? Um I I uh, you maybe probably I have. Don't remember it. But I what I like is that the Phantom Menace didn't necessarily mean right that it was just the dark side of the Sith or it was Palpatine behind the scenes or it was Maul and, and that whole right. evil aspect that the Phantom Menace was that that chance, right? That that if Qui-Gon Jin hadn't died that mm. what what could have happened right yeah. like what could anakin have become that that fatherly presence in his life yeah and yeah. to see him have such a big impact on both characters going forward in their relationship it it was fantastic it, it really was and, and another cool detail um and one thing that i enjoyed seeing as well was seeing Obi-Wan become a member of the Jedi Council. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Because that was something that just sh- showed up in Revenge of the Sith, and you're like, okay. <laughs> um, but here we see how that happened, and how they had just had a rotational seat, and he ended up permanently getting the seat as a result of basically everything that happened here. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is so cool. It was just yeah, so that was really really nice as well. It was. This is a really. It was. It, it was a nice little context and and filling filling again filling in the gaps. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I think we we broke down pretty much everything. Hopefully that every 
before going into this episode, you, you realize that there were spoilers. Obviously, in the description, you'll see spoilers. We didn't say it at the top, but um, that was our giant discussion breakdown. Um, so before I before we actually do sign off, uh, give a score and your overall thoughts. Uh, I would give this book an... Um, I'd, I'd probably give it an 8.5. I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. Um, honestly, before we did the show, I probably would have given it an 8, but I think we talked me into an 8.5. This is a really good book. It yeah. is a really, really good book. It's really well written. It's not. It's never boring. You're never like, okay, when are we going to... No, it's even the slow parts with Padme, they're all engaging. It's so much information that you... that just helps like you said just fill it fills in so many gaps that you didn't even know where they were gaps but it just fills them all in and it's filled in well it's not just shoved in it's it's like filled in very well where it makes sense um i mean it's really really good and and honestly it's for me just as a as a fan of Anakin Skywalker it's nice to get some Anakin Skywalker stories like there really aren't that many of them. Um, I kind of hope Lucasfilm. I hope this book does really well. I hope Lucasfilm kind of sees that you know these stories are really, really cool and can be very touching. Um, you know if if they're written well. So I I really hope we get more, um, you know more Anakin Skywalker, uh, as well. Um, even though I know this is kind of Obi Wan's month, but yeah, this is this was. This was great, so I give it an eight point five. You always end up like point five lower than me. So if I had to give it a score, I'm giving it a nine. Uh, I I think yeah. it's also another one of those things that I was at an eight point five before we started, and yeah. we yeah. kind of talked ourselves into a higher score because <laughs> I I really think that there's so much to this book, so much more than than meets the eye. I think even if yeah. you just look at the cover of this, you're like, oh, all right, Attack of the Clones, Anakin and Obi Wan. <laughs> Right. I, you're, you're not you it, it's a very simplistic cover it's it but it really tells you everything you need to know that this is anakin and this is obi-wan and i think the highlight of the book are those quiet moments that we see with padme right for example the highlight of the book is the characterizations yeah. Yeah. the the insight we get into these thoughts and their motivations and their development it's i as much as the action was good i don't think it was the highlight of the book i think the highlight of the book were these characters and yeah I think Mike Chen did a phenomenal job. I want him back for for any Star Wars that he wants yeah, to do. Yeah, I, he's fantastic. I hadn't read. I've actually read another book by him. I hadn't realized I had. It's We Could Be Heroes. I read that last year, which was also very good. But this was just fantastic. I do recommend this for any prequel fan, for any Obi Wan and Anakin fan. Yeah. Um. Even as a Star Wars fan, obviously. I do think this is great. So I would I would give it a nine out of ten. Um, so that does it for our discussion and breakdown of Star Wars Brotherhood. Uh, again, just a small bit of the content of Obi-Wan before we get Obi-Wan next week. Uh, we do have a, a pretty packed schedule coming up. Next week we will be meeting yeah. to talk about um we'll be meeting to talk about you know, we're usually recorded on a Thursday or Friday, like today. Uh, but we'll probably be doing something either Friday or during the weekend to talk about Obi-Wan. So that's a big one coming up, and that'll probably be a pretty long discussion. And then we also, the following week, 
at this well, at the same time we'll be recording the the show next week's show about Obi Wan. We also have Star Wars Celebration going on. Of course, Shamari and I won't be there, regretfully. Uh, but yeah, oh my god, still hurts. Uh, well, I'm gonna tell you right now. I I did you see the Star Wars Celebration exclusive High Republic? Republic. Oh set? yeah. Oh my goodness. Do you, like I uh, would drop. I would have dropped the two hundred and fifty dollars. So maybe it's a good thing I'm not going. But I would have spent that. Sell that on eBay for like a ton of money. I'd think about it. All I know is Charles Soule is going to be selling a few to his newsletter subscribers after the show. Ooh. And I will be looking out for that newsletter because I honestly think I want them. I really like, yeah, and it's I'm in Orbesh sure. too. Like the spine is in Orbesh. Oh my god! Yeah, it's so oh, it's so nice. They're gorgeous. Oh man. Okay. I got off track, but yes, we got Star Wars galore coming up between the premiere of Obi-Wan, the Star Wars celebration, and all that news, which depending on the amount of news might be split into more than one episode, right? Yeah. That, that like, cause I don't want to go all over the place. Yeah. We get some pretty big stuff. Um, so there's going to be a lot to talk about over the next few weeks. Um, I don't have any plugs, but sir, I know you do. I do. Yes, I do have some plugs. So yeah, definitely check me out on the new generation podcast network. Um, you can find that it's NU Generation Podcast Network. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, I do uh, podcasts with uh, uh, my younger brother. That's actually a Star Wars podcast on there called the Imperial Broadcast. Uh, you can definitely check us out. We actually recently recorded an episode um, earlier uh, this week that you can check out on there now. Now Zach will be on our next show Yippee! on Sunday, which we're recording on Sunday. Um, so be on the lookout for that. What's been four years? Uh, it hasn't years? Been, no, no, <laughs> but it's I been a while. It, it has been a while. So, so please be on the lookout for that. Definitely check that out. So that will be really fun. Um, and he'll probably be on our next two shows. As, you know, as we'll do whatever we can to make that happen. So we'll be previewing Obi Wan in celebration and then reviewing. Obi-Wan in celebration. Um, so please be on the lookout for that. Yeah, I, I'll be there on Sunday. So obviously anyone listening should also listen to New Generation because it's great content and the three of them. But I'll be on Sunday, so obviously listen to that one. Um, but that has been our, our review and discussion on Brotherhood. Um, we got a lot of Star Wars coming up. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time, and may the Force be with you.